Welcome to the ACFCS Financial Crime Cast, a briefing featuring the latest news, analysis, and guidance from across the financial crime spectrum. I'm Brian Spodekindel, SVP of Product and Programming with ACFCS, and on this episode, we're venturing into the business-to-business realm to explore rising fraud risks, reputational concerns, and threats in the supply chain. It's a complicated and fast-developing area of financial crime risk management. We've talked a lot on this program about fraud risks facing customers or malicious insiders, but maybe less about fraud and financial crime risk from vendors, suppliers, other companies you may be doing business with. Fortunately, I have an expert guide with me today, Dory Buckethall, VP of Product Marketing Risk and Fraud with the fine folks at Thomson Reuters. She's going to help us understand the rising importance of Know Your Business, or KYB, to protect organizations from these B2B threats. We'll explore emerging areas like synthetic ID fraud in the B2B context. We'll also talk the findings of a recent benchmarking report on business-to-business fraud that Thomson Reuters and the ACFE conducted. And we'll uh, end with a look at how the use of generative AI may increase risks in this space. We'll touch on much more along the way. So, Dory, thank you so much for joining us on the Financial Crime Cast. Uh, it's a pleasure having you on the program and uh, looking forward to this conversation. Very interested to dive into the uh, the KYB piece, as many of our audience uh, might not be familiar with it. So before we get there, though, let's talk a little bit about who you are, your experience in this space, let the audience get to know uh, you a little bit. So do you mind giving us a little bit of your background and uh, and where you're coming from in the financial crime arena? Yeah, thank you for having me here today, Brian. Uh, good to be here. So my name is Dory Buckethall, and I'm the Vice President of Inbound Product Marketing for Thomson Reuters for the Risk and Fraud Solution Set. So what that means is that Our team is responsible for understanding what is happening in the market and with our customers in the risk and fraud space and and having deep market knowledge, bringing that back into Thomson Reuters so that we can help understand how do we make better products to solve our customer problems. Excellent. Yeah. And I always great working with the Thomson Reuters folks and the point you mentioned about the, you know, global view into these issues and your global customer base is really helpful um, because it is it is something that uh you know us in the financial crime arena can get siloed in our little world in our organization but having the bigger picture can really help so um on that note let's dive into the topic of today's conversation let's start with this kyb terminology kyc has been out there forever we all know what kyc is kyb might be a little bit newer for some of our listeners out there can you give us an overview of what know your business means and why kyb is distinguished from kyc so that's a great place to start so know your business yeah it can it's really a set of practices and procedures that organizations implement to verify or understand any business entity that they engage with. So many times it's compliance departments or procurement departments, supply chain teams, and they're really making sure that when they're onboarding a new business to conduct transactions with in in any manner, they can and should do business with that entity. Thank you for that explanation of the KYB space. Um, And I think many of our listeners out there will resonate with this aspect of who you should be doing business with becoming more difficult in recent years, right? And in part, that's because there's been a wider 
array of risks that I, I've been hearing from our members, and I wonder if this is reflective of working with your clients too, that you have to consider when you're considering this this question of, you know, do I work with this vendor, supplier, distributor? Um, cybersecurity risk has been on the uh, top of the, the list or near the top of the list for quite some time. You know, more recently, a lot of concern around things like modern slavery risks, right? If I'm working with this supplier, vendor, you know, is there forced labor in the in the supply chain? Is there other, you know, labor, uh, uh, risky labor practices like potential human trafficking or something in the supply chain of this vendor? So, um, so yeah, a whole array of risk in the in the KYB space. Um, we're obviously focusing on the the fraud risk space um, on this one. And actually, there's a really good report that. Thomson Reuters did in combination with ACFE, Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, for those that might not be familiar with that group. Um, let's talk about that for a minute. And and first of all, let's start with this question. You know, I just laid out a bunch of risks in the, the business to business space. Business to business fraud, why why that one? Why do a report on on this specific topic? Great question. Yeah. So we heard from the ACFE, they put out a stat recently. They estimated that the money lost to fraud each year is well into the billions, maybe into the trillions, totaling around 5% of gross, gross revenue for corporations. And that threw, you know, that threw up some alarms for a lot of folks, including us. So when we saw that, like, this is not small potatoes, we want to understand more. And we worked with the ACFE to develop this benchmarking report. So the research report that you just referenced. Um, layering into that, uh, FinCEN just re re recently released some annual numbers and a really nice report put out showing fraud trends and based on SAR reports. So su suspicious activity reports being filed from financial institutions to law enforcement. So those numbers, we examined those numbers as well. And there's exponential growth going on in this financial crime fraud arena. We saw, I think, a total of 44% growth over two years in the number of total SARS being filed, which another red flag here, this is, this is big business. <laughs> and real, you know, there's a real problem with uh, financial crime and fraud rising out in the market. Yeah, those are uh, pretty astonishing numbers there to be, to be thrown around. And yeah, I was actually um, not too long ago talking with someone from FinCEN's intelligence unit, and they mentioned that you know, the majority of SARS filed actually are related to fraud, you know, and those are a lot of those are like retail banking and other forms of financial fraud facing financial institutions, but it reflects just the scale and scope of the fraud problem across the board. So um, interesting to see it play out in the, the business to business space as well. Um, so uh, let, let's dive a little bit more detail into this report then. Um, you gave us some of the kind of top line numbers. What types of risk factors, fraud risks, um, were businesses concerned with facing that you found as part of this as part of this report? Yeah, the two top concerns for the folks that responded were one, synthetic identity. Hmm. and handling that. And that's also in the realm of fictitious businesses. So, you know, creating fake entities, whether they're people or businesses, and then conducting transactions to essentially steal monies from the corporations. And the second one is responding um, to regulatory requirements and making sure that their company is able to, um, you know, not do business with sanctioned entities and, um, you know, with 
the state of the world today say the number of sanctions are rising. So um, businesses are having to stay on top of that trend and make sure they've got really tight onboarding processes so that they're not doing business with somebody that they shouldn't be or a business that they shouldn't be doing business with. Yeah, those are those are tough ones. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the synthetic ID piece in particular, it's interesting to see it play out on the business side. You know, I've uh, done quite a bit of webinars, presentations with, with folks on the customer facing side. So, you know, Synthetic ideas used to create accounts, that type of thing. But synthetic businesses is, you know, a, I'm sure it's not a new phenomenon, but probably a more of an emerging one. Um, and with the use of, you know, generative AI tools, um, we'll talk about that in just a minute, but it seems like that's likely to only increase that aspect of, you know, synthetic entities and synthetic businesses make it easier than ever to create one. So, um, what about the reputational risk and reputational concern here? Um, you mentioned that briefly, but I just want to, you know, dive into that. You know, it seems like there's it's a good deal of uh, reputational risk at stake if you are a, a business that ends up defrauded, potentially, you know, not just losing customer money, but there's also potentially risks of, you know, impacting your customers directly, um, losing customer data or that type of thing as well. So can you talk a little bit about the reputational concerns at, at play here? Yeah, there there is so much here. Um, in the risk, in our risk world, we always talk about, you know, regulatory risk, financial risk, and reputational risk is the three big concerns for any risk professional, right? So um, what came to the top of the list in our most in our research the 60% of respondents said that the top reputational risk that they were concerned about was doing business with companies that use controversial business practices. So that can be a whole host of things, but you know, my take on that is there's a lot of um, increasing pressure and increasing scrutiny and, and look into the way businesses are conducting themselves, right? So there's ESG and topics tied there that play into here. There's, are you doing the right things that you should be doing in regards to sanctions? So um, there's, I think in the big corporations are more aware that consumers care about many topics and they're looking and they're, they're wanting to know, you know, if you're buying or working with a company, um, are you, you know, do you align with their ethical or, or views or standpoints on different, on different things in the world one way or another? Interesting one. Yeah. It's a, uh... <laughs> It's interesting times for companies out there to navigate this kind of polarized environment to some extent. I think that's playing into some of the reputational concerns, but it's also, you know, alludes back to some of the things we talked about earlier in reference to uh, forced labor in the supply chain or other ethical business practices, um, environmental business practices, that type of thing that are uh, increasingly uh, increasingly on companies' radars. So, so we talked about some of the the risk areas here and concerns. Um, let's flip a little bit and talk about what you do about it. Um, we've listed out any number of things that you need to be concerned about uh, when you are onboarding a new business, whether that's supplier, vendor, distributor, you know, other third party you're working with. Um, what what do you do? What practices, especially given the array of potential risks that you're facing, should you be adopting? And particularly, you know, with the focus on preventing fraud, what are some of the practices that you should be looking at from a fraud prevention standpoint? Yeah, the good news here is that 
um, there's a lot of technology that has come around that's focused right in this on this topic. We hear from our customers that um, onboarding new businesses for you know know your vendor, know your supplier, whatever use case. Um, even in you know business to business lending in the financial space, they're you know the same process. It, it's very it can be very manual and it's very time consuming. And the re- the research actually showed that as well. They they most people responded that onboarding new businesses into their environment was challenging or very challenging is what they categorized it as, and that it takes from anywhere from a week to more than a month to actually go through that process of doing the correct due diligence to be comfortable with doing business with another business, right? So it's what we're hearing is that it's a very, it's a big pain point, um, takes a long time. We also know that many of these teams that are responsible for this activity are underfunded, under-resourced. So they'll have a team of four folks that are trying to dig into a new vendor that they're bringing in and making sure they're a real business, they're credible, um, you know, all the, all the checks, they're not on a sanctions list, you name it. Um, so good news is there's a help is on the way. The technology is out there to streamline this, right? And to help them automate. Um, I guess not so good news is that they need funding from their businesses to do this. It's a, a real risk for what we just outlined, you know, um, reputational, financial, and regulatory risks. Um, so it, it, it just, it makes sense for them to invest here and to scale up their organization with technology. That's a great point. Resource strain is a constant, a constant theme that uh, our compliance folks out there are hearing. But you know, particularly in areas where there's been less historical focus, right? Like the you know the 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 business onboarding, the business to business area, kind of a game of whack a mole to some extent, where new risk pops up, then you get some resources kind of thrown at it. So um, hopefully, the recognition is that this is a new risk and it does need some some resources thrown at it. But the way to you know stretch what resources are available through tech is encouraging. So uh, on that note, you know what what are you seeing as from compliance professionals in this space, you know, you mentioned the resource issue. Are there any other kind of key challenges that they are dealing with? And if so, you know, how's that impacting the organizations they work for? One piece of advice that I would give to businesses or, you know, leaders of businesses is that as they roll out new technologies to help their compliance teams, to not think of it as a cost-cutting exercise but to really take that total dollar and just keep reinvesting it into those teams because criminals are always ahead of the curve on technology. They're deploying all sorts of new tactics and technology to defraud your company. You need to stay ahead of them, right? You need to continually invest in this process to stay in front of the curve, to protect honestly your your stakeholder and shareholder value at the end of the day. Great answer. I love the idea of, you know, not saying it as just cost savings, but as an opportunity to reinvest, um, because I think that's absolutely how you should be approaching it. And the idea of criminals as early adopters of, of any new technology is absolutely right. And we see it over and over again. So um, you're going to have to evolve along with the, the, the uh, illicit element out there. Speaking of that, um, Let's talk about how uh, the evolution in tech is impacting us for good or ill, right? Um, ChatGPT, generative AI tools, large language models, um, all of these innovative tools 
within the broader AI bucket are really at the top of mind for a lot of compliance professionals. Uh, it's not new. This has been in the space for a while now, but you know, now we see these really the explosion in the applications um, and more and more companies adopting AI tools, more and more consumer-based, you know, AI tools out there that anyone can access. Um, let's talk, let's talk pros and cons. Um, what are, what are some of the positives you see here and what are some of the negatives, both in terms of, you know, potential impact on business and potentially, you know, if we want to get into it, uh, criminal use of AI and, and other machine learning tools. Yeah, so we're seeing the use, you know, the potential use of AI, uh, definitely robotic process automation and machine learning is in use in many technologies today out there that are available, right? It's it's out there. I think we're going to see a lot of companies just turning to uh, the market, right? And 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 turn trust, you know, to their trusted vendors to say, "Hey, help me with this problem." You go use whatever tool, whatever new technology, whether it's AI or the next thing, right? Just to help me solve my problem faster and, and more ex- expeditiously and and um, better, right? So if you just if you come back, which in my role and in my expertise, if you come back to what is the customer problem, there might be many ways to slice and dice that, whether it's data or machine learning or AI or or the next thing down the road. And it's just exciting to see. Um, you know, what, what problems we're solving quickly with the new technology out there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, on the, on the con side, not to be the Debbie Downer, but I think also <laughs> it's interesting to see the new problems we are, uh, we're going to be generating with, with artificial intelligence too. So uh, absolutely something that we, you know, I think firms are going to have to keep a sharp eye on when it comes to things like deep fakes, you know, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the ability to to create synthetics, I think, will be easier than ever before. You know, if you not to not to put ideas in anyone's head, but if you need, you know, false documents or something like that, it's pretty easy and quick to go generate them on some of these tools. They're obviously not perfect, um, but there is lots of you know ways to uh, to utilize even the current set of large language model tools out there for potentially illicit purposes and you know maybe more to come on that front as they evolve yeah definitely i i um you know some some we've got a bunch of subject matter experts that we work with and it's been interesting the conversations we've been having on what's going on you know already i mean generative ai has sort of hit the headlines recently right but um Fraud scams, business-to-business fraud scams. These are, these are things that have been out there for many, many years. You know, anybody in the industry knows about typical scams. Generative AI and other technologies just speed that process up, right? They give the they lower the barrier of entry for criminals to get into the space. So, in the past, creating a fictitious business was a pretty heavy lift, right? You had to go jump through fair amount of number of hoops to make a business look real. And now with generative AI, you can just quickly imagine how you can create a website overnight, right? You can create fake profiles and associate business associates and um, reviews on LinkedIn and anything that you think you'd need to create confidence or credibility to someone um, can be done very quickly. If you think of business email compromise, which is another way um, business to business fraud can, can take place. Even today, the number one sign that they tell you is that if the email looks strange, right, if it has incorrect grammar, if there's misspellings, that that's how you know that you might have 
that you might not be dealing with the right person, right? So that's a pretty just gut check level uh, fraud tactic. Now criminals are able to take the content that they would put into one of those emails and run them through um, generative AI to make them sound correct, right? Like non-native language speakers can use generative AI to make an email sound very convincing. Another area would be romance scams, right? Um, They can quickly create a connection online with these technologies, just using the the AI programs that are out there. So, you know, any sci-fi fan can, minds minds have been racing for the past year with all of this, right? From all the stories and books that we've read. (laughs) And um, yeah, it's a minefield out there. So it's going to be interesting to see how this, how, you know, fraud has already, the fraud numbers have already been accelerating over the past few years. It started with the pandemic. You can see it through the data and the charts. It will be very interesting to see what happens from now forward with these tools, um, you know, hopefully not, but most likely in the wrong hands. Yeah, no, it's a great point that it's not just like, you know, it's fun to think about the new and sort of exotic fraud schemes that you can do with video deep fakes and that type of thing. Not that, you know, those are actually out there too, um, but it's also just the ability to fine tune these existing fraud schemes and deploy them more rapidly and with greater sophistication. That's like, that's like really a great point to, uh, to watch out for. Um, well, this has been a fascinating conversation on the business business fraud side, not something that we actually cover a whole lot. So I'm glad we could get into it. I want to close out by just talking a little bit about um, something that, may not seem immediately relevant for for some of our audience, but I think we'll tie it back in. And that's something called the INFORM Act. Um, And the INFORM Act is, uh, the INFORM Consumer Act became a requirement recently, came into force for online marketplaces. And, you know, in a a nutshell, um, it requires online marketplaces to do online marketplaces like, you know, imagine eBay, Amazon, so on and so forth. to verify information on third-party sellers, right? So it's like seller due diligence to some extent. Um, and you know, some people may be surprised to hear there wasn't a whole lot of this taking place before, and that's maybe the genesis for this law. But how is what, what do you see as the impact of the Informed Consumer Act, and how does it play into this wider conversation around business-to-business fraud? Yeah, I think it absolutely plays in here. And I, I believe it's going into effect this week. It's it's very soon, if not this week. So I think it's right in the same wheelhouse of what we've been talking about, where um, we need to protect consumers, we need to protect businesses. And now it's this, you know, business seller consumer relationship. There's a bit of an ecosystem going on there um, where regulations have come in and um, businesses like eBay or Amazon or Etsy, they need to comply. They need to make sure that um, the folks they're doing business with are real businesses and their end consumer is not being scammed out on um, on, on products. So it, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. And I think it's just kind of more the same with staying on top of new regulations and making sure that you know you can do business with somebody and you should do business with somebody. Yeah, and I think it's a positive sign, honestly, you know, that there's, as we talked about before, more attention on this issue, right? Um, And hopefully what follows for compliance professionals is greater resources, 
greater uh, greater tools and, and capabilities to take on the uh, the business to business fraud side and awareness of the risk that's lurking there. So, so we'll close out on that that positive note and that hopeful note. Uh, and I just want to say, Dory, thanks again for the time and the conversation. Um, really looking forward to uh, hopefully doing it again sometime. Thank you so much. It's been a good time. Excellent. Uh, and please, uh, you know, learn more about everything Thomson Reuters has to offer on this front. As I mentioned, a great group of professionals. Please join us again for a future edition of the ACFCS Financial Crimecast. You can find us on Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and uh, many other places where your favorite podcast lives. So uh, thanks again for the time and attention today. And hopefully you'll join us again soon. Bye for now, everyone.